Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that we have. Father, we are grateful for your grace and your mercy towards us. Thankful for this privilege to be together in this place to consider a message from your word. Father, we ask that as you speak to us through your word that our hearts be open to the things uh, that you declare. Grant, Father, that in everything and in every way it would be our desire to live lives that bring glory to you. And Father, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Uh, let me say first, there is some discrepancy between what is written in the bulletin and what you see. Uh, what's in the bulletin is correct, uh, which begs the question, if what's in the bulletin is correct, then why am I here? <laughs> Brother Carl Womble had to be out of town, uh, take care of some family business, so I'm pinch hitting for him uh, this morning. Uh, but the bulletin is correct. This class will be on Proverbs. It will be taught by Brother Womble. Uh, there will be uh, fundamentals of the faith class upstairs, and I'll be dealing with that. Uh, just as a matter of clarity, uh, you are not excluded if you are old convert. Uh, sometimes people say for new converts, uh, well, the Bible is for everybody. So uh, prayerfully, you know, if you can make it up the steps and you want to, don't feel like, well, because I'm not a new convert, uh, that's, that's not for me. Uh, Peter said he wanted to uh, help the Christians by putting them in remembrance uh, of some things that they already knew. So I think whenever you talk about new converts, even if you're an old convert, uh, it helps to be put in remembrance uh, of things that we may already know. So, but this morning we will attend to Proverbs here. Uh, you notice we have up on the screen uh, Proverbs, and Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature. Uh, Proverbs 1-7, very good place to start. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what we prayerfully will accomplish this morning, I'm going to kind of set the table, and then we'll let Brother Womble be uh, the cook, and he'll bring uh, uh, the meal out uh, over the next, uh, maybe 12 weeks left. All right, so when we consider Proverbs, how many people have read Proverbs? Uh, I really think Proverbs is one of those books, uh, and I don't know if you've seen the calendar that we have uh, floating around here in the building. It's how to read the Bible uh, in a year. And actually what you end up doing, I think you end up reading the Old Testament once, uh, Proverbs 12 times, Psalms twice, and the New Testament twice. Uh, Proverbs, is, it has 31 chapters, so if you read a chapter a day, uh, most months, or, or many months, all you have to read is a chapter a day to make it through the entire book. Uh, some months you've got to double up one day. February, you may have to double up two days. Uh, but the nature of Proverbs is such, I really just think it's good. You know, if you read a chapter a day from Proverbs, it, it, it will be a tremendous blessing to you. Now, the Word of God will always bless you, but Proverbs are just very practical. Uh, it's very easy to read. Uh, and I think you find, even find some of it humorous, uh, just based on our experiences in life. I say, wow, if I had listened, uh, maybe that would have worked uh, uh, a little different. So I want to say something about Proverbs before we get started. I hope that I chose uh, the right words and I don't step into uh, or open up a can of worms with this. Uh, Proverbs is not about orthodoxy so much as it is about practical instruction for righteous living. Uh, anybody know that word orthodoxy? Uh, now, I'm not mad at you if you pull your phone out and look it up, because 
I pulled the dictionary out and looked it up too, just to make sure that I was kind of on the uh, uh, correct path. If you look orthodoxy up in the dictionary, it says adherence to correct or accepted creeds, especially in religion. I believe we ought to be orthodox. Uh, now, I don't believe we ought to be legalistic, but, but I believe we ought to be uh, orthodox. There is a lot in the Bible that could be considered uh, orthodoxy. Uh, for example, 1 Corinthians 1.10, where Paul uh, calls for the Christians to all speak the same thing, be of the same mind and of the same judgment. Uh, that's concerning orthodoxy. And, and in the church, we ought, to be, we, we ought to speak the same thing. If we teach what the Bible teaches, then we ought to all be teaching the same thing. Uh, mankind in general uh, should believe and obey the same thing. Because the word of God, what it says to one, it says to all. Jesus is Lord. I don't care who you are when you read that. Jesus is Lord. We, we ought to all speak the same thing in that regard. Uh, Jesus praised uh, the church at Ephesus for their orthodoxy, which is interesting because they were the ones that had left their first love. Uh, but he said, you find some who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. Well, how did they find that these people were misrepresenting the truth? Uh, it's a matter of orthodoxy. Look, we measured you against the word and uh, what you're teaching doesn't measure up to the word, so therefore, uh, Whenever there's a disagreement between man and God, who's wrong? Man, yeah, yeah, y'all said like you're not sure. Yeah, anytime man and God disagree, man is wrong. It, 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 yeah, that's, that, that's kind of rhetorical. God is just always right, if for no other reason than the fact he's God. Now, I said that to say, when you read Proverbs, sometimes there are certain ones that we'll read and you wonder, like, hmm, I, that doesn't seem right. Now, what I mean by that? Take, for example, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You ever answer somebody softly? And, and don't miss what I mean when he says soft. Soft to mean afraid or just like people misunderstand meek. I think sometimes they under, misunderstand what it means to give a soft answer. Soft answer means I don't get down in the mud and start slinging dirt with you uh, when one of us is a little, you know, warm under the collar. Uh, but as a, as a matter of fact, is it true that every time you give somebody a soft answer, it will turn away wrath? There will be times in your experience when you can answer somebody softly and they may actually become more wrathful because you gave them a soft answer. You ever had somebody get mad at you because you were nice to them? Yeah, don't be nice to me. Yeah. So. Proverbs teaches us things sometimes that are true as far as the principle goes, but doesn't necessarily want you to believe that every time you do this, people will respond the right way. It's always right to give a soft answer. And as children of God, we ought to do that. But don't operate under the conclusion, under the delusion that every time you answer somebody softly, they'll answer you uh, in kind. But that's the best approach to take to things. Why? Because I want to preserve my Christian influence, my Christian witness. That's always the best approach for me to take uh, uh, is you know, not to be malicious or uh, intimidating or any of those other ad aggressive adjectives that you might use. That's always right. But Solomon doesn't want us to believe just because you answer somebody softly that they'll stop being angry. Uh, you look at the experience of Jesus and find uh, that wasn't the case with the Pharisees in some instances. 
But grievous words stir up anger. Now that's just true. Uh, you want to stir up somebody's anger, give them some grievous words. Uh, you know, and sometimes grievous is not even in the words you use, it's just the tone you use. You know, you, you, your tone sometimes can be grievous. You know, hey, who are you talking to? Who do you think you are? So, understand when we go through Proverbs, the principle is true, but don't think literally that this means if I do this, that this is always what I'm going to get. I think another one that you see that with, and I think sometimes we misunderstand what he was saying, is Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some people have concluded uh, that to mean if you raise a child in the church, that they'll always stay with the church. No. Uh, and I think the prodigal son uh, speaks to that. Uh, God has a whole lot of prodigal children. And God as a father is as good as it gets. Uh, one of the things you have to appreciate about children is children grow up and become adults. And when they become adults, they get to make choices. And I mean it just like I said, when they become adults, they get to make choices. And until you become an adult, certain choices you don't get to make. Now, when you grow up and have your own place and paying your own bills, you get to make all the choices you want to. But if you live under my roof, you're not but so grown. And there's certain choices you don't get to make. Uh, I'm going to be like Joshua. There's certain choices I'm going to make for me and my household. Now, when some of the choices I make, if they don't suit your fancy, you can always get another household. But in this one, see, you always talk big when you stand in front of an audience. They've been living it. Living it is something else. So, but at any rate, uh, appreciate uh, Proverbs does more with the practical instruction for, for righteous living. It's not so much about trying to say this is the way it works all the time. Or if you do this, this is what you'll always get. All right. Wisdom. Uh, nobody defines anything better than God. Uh, I like what Job had to say and if you're taking notes, go back and read all of Job chapter 28. And if you really want to get context, go back and read all of Job. Uh, but in Job 28, Job is talking to his friends uh, who have laid some evil accusations uh, against him. Job 28, 28, and unto man he said, uh, this meaning God, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. I, I think that's the best definition for wisdom that you'll ever get. Now, there are some that may help you appreciate some of the uh, nuances of wisdom. Uh, but God said the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. And to depart from evil uh, is understanding. Uh, now what that causes us to ask is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Anybody want to take a shot at that? What does it mean to fear the Lord? And it can be true in a several different contexts, but uh, God, speaking through Job, had one in particular in mind. Uh, yes? I like that. To respect his authority in all things. That's the, yeah, to fear the Lord is to respect his authority in all things. Yes? To submit. And that goes with it too. Yes, submission is definitely a part of fear in the Lord. Uh, oh, excuse me, I pressed that by mistake. Uh, and you notice there's some link between the sermon today uh, and this idea of uh, fear in the Lord. Uh, any others? That, that got us off to a real good start. Uh, 
To fear God is to reverence, honor, and worship him. It causes a person to recognize his own limitations and to acknowledge God's greatness. Anybody here come to appreciate that you have limitations? Yeah, I have. I think the wiser you get, the more aware you are of your limitations. Yeah. Uh, if you read Job 28 there, Job also says that wisdom comes from God and that God created it. So who would know better about wisdom uh, than God? Wisdom comes from God. Uh, there is no wisdom above God's wisdom. Now, there's a different kind of wisdom. James talks about uh, the wisdom from below. Uh, you want to stick with God. Uh, you want to operate the way God operates and do what God does. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it is not the wicked man's fear. Uh, in Isaiah 57, verses 20 through 21, Isaiah 57, 20 through 21, and also Proverbs 28, verse 1, uh, and hopefully you're there in Proverbs. If you turn to Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, uh, but the righteous are bold as a lion. It's not the, fear, the wicked man's fear. Well, what is a wicked man afraid of? Judgment, for sure. Punishment, yeah. Afraid he's going to be found out. That's why he's running when nobody pursues. You ever hear kids, if your kids are like most kids, when they get real quiet, what's your thought? What are they up to? Because kids just keep noise. So when they get quiet, you must be up to something. So you call a kid's name, and sometimes the way they answer you will cause you to go investigate. You know, you come with just that tone. Or maybe they say, I'm not doing anything. Well, I didn't ask you what you were doing. <laughs> so when you say something like that, now I'm going to come see what you're doing. So the wicked flee when I'm, when I'm doing something, I'm worried about being found out. I tend to be on high alert. Uh, that's the wicked man's fear. He, he's on high alert because he knows he's going to have to settle up for the evil things that he's done. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about fearing the Lord. There is also the fear of calamity. Uh, again, if you're taking notes, if you go back and read Isaiah chapter 7 and 8, and at least into verse 1, I think, of uh, chapter 9, uh, but definitely 7 and 8, uh, in the days of King Ahaz of Judah, uh, the people of God had uh, great fear of attack from Syria and Ephraim. Now, God had sent Isaiah to Ahaz, telling him not to worry uh, about Syria and Ephraim. Uh, but Ahaz, for whatever reason, didn't find that very comforting. And he went out to try to get the Assyrians to help him. Now, when God tells you something, anything else is destined to fail. Now, he tells Ahaz, don't worry about Syria and Ephraim. And Ephraim says, I'm going to go out and get the Assyrians to help us. And God says, they're not going to be much help. In fact, you're afraid now. You're going to be more afraid once you enlist them. You ever just live with kind of that impending doom and gloom hanging over you? Uh, sometimes we call it people just fearing the worst. Yeah. Well, when we talk about fearing the Lord, there's no need to fear the worst. Uh, in fact, if you know God, not only should you not fear the worst, you should actually expect the best. Why? Because that's what God does. God wants the best for us. Uh, what did he say in Jeremiah? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace, to bring you an expected end. God wants the very best for us. Now, that doesn't always mean the road will be easy to get to it. Uh, there may be some hardship that we have to go through to learn that. 
but there's never reason to be afraid of God in terms of, uh, uh, you know, terror, like you would a bully. Uh, fair. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Farron uh, mentioned First uh, John, where uh, we are told that love casts out fear. Uh, I think to add to that, Paul tells us uh, that God hadn't given us the spirit of fear. Uh, so we need to understand uh, uh, the context. Uh, and when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it is not the fearful expectation of judgment. Uh, Hebrews 10, 26, 27 tells us it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now that's worse than your mother telling you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> but appreciate again, when you talk about a person who's in this case, uh, this is a person that lives in deliberate sin, and to do that is to reject uh, the love and mercy of God. Uh, what did Jesus come for? So that we wouldn't have to suffer uh, the due penalty for our sins. So if I'm afraid of judgment, uh, one of the things that has to be true is that I have rejected uh, in some way the sacrifice that Jesus made to atone uh, for my sins. And yeah, when you reject that, it is a fearful thing to fall into God's hands. Yeah, what, what did Jesus warn us? Fear him who can destroy both soul and body uh, in hell. Yeah, if you're going to defy God, you have good reason to be afraid. Yeah, the devils aren't trembling for no reason. Remember James said, the devils believe and also tremble. Uh, so yeah, if you oppose God, there is very good reason to be afraid. Uh, but none of those are the context, uh, Proverbs 1-7 or uh, Job 28-28. Uh, when it talks about uh, the fear of the Lord. So what is it then? The fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of him. Uh, you ever just stop and just think about how great God is? Uh, we were talking to somebody just here recently uh, about the Grand Canyon, and there, there are other things. But sometimes you see things, and then you think back to the Genesis account that God did all of this in six days, and yeah, your reaction just kind of wild. Yeah, and they talking about, no, it took millions of years for the rivers to wash up. Look, in six days, God said, let there be, and there was. And that's how we got what we had. That's just awesome. You know, I don't think you have to go all the way to Arizona. You can go down here to, like, the Shenandoah Valley somewhere and just look at, the, like, the mountains and things. Man, God is just, uh, even over here to the Chesapeake Bay. Wow, you did all of that by the power of your word? Yeah, let there be, uh, 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 and there was, yeah. Uh, to fear the Lord is to reverence, regard, and honor him. Uh, and I think we had some folk that uh, said as much. Exodus 9, verses 20 and 21, uh, again, if you take your notes. Uh, now, I, couldn't, I didn't put that on the screen because I, I couldn't make it all fit. Uh, but I figured you all would have pencil and paper uh, be taking notes. So that's Exodus 9, verses 20 and 21. Uh, and there it was talking about those that regarded the word of the Lord. Uh, when God said there was going to be hail, when he was sending the plagues on the Egyptians, those that regarded the word of the Lord, they, looked, they brought their stuff inside. And those that figured, uh, you know, the Hebrew slave God, who's going to pay him any mind? They left their stuff out there and it hailed and beat their stuff into the dirt. 
So when you talk about regarding or honoring the Lord, it's certainly, somebody says submission, and that's a part of it. Obedience is, is, is absolutely a part uh, of the fear of the Lord. Uh, let's put that in layman's terms. The fear of the Lord will lead a person to work righteousness. Yeah, just do the right things. When you fear the Lord, when, when you honor God, when you respect God, when you regard him, when you stand in awe of him, you just do the things that are right. Why? Because God is God. Uh, it will lead a person to obey him. Uh, and I like Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Uh, what Solomon really said there with the whole of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, that's really why God put us here. You know that's our creative purpose? To fear God and do what he says. To reverence God and do what he says. That's why God put us here. Which is why there's no lasting satisfaction in secular pursuits. Because that's contrary to my creative purpose. Yeah, that's why Solomon, if you read Ecclesiastes, oh, he keeps saying it's all vanity. Because none of this stuff deals with why God put me here. You know, you can acquire stuff, but God didn't put me here to acquire stuff. And I'm not mad. I like stuff too. But no matter how much stuff you get, it's not enough. And I know some of us think, yeah, I, if I had a certain amount, it would be enough. No, it wouldn't. Don't tell the Holy Spirit he's wrong. He that love of silver will not be satisfied with silver. Yeah, if acquiring stuff is your thing, you, it, why? Because once you get your stuff, somebody's going to come with some new stuff. You know, I thought, uh, I'm about to date myself. When cable first came to Baltimore, they had these big, ugly remotes that had a wire that ran all the way to the TV, and you could only go but so far. But man, to me, that was the cool, now you don't have to get up to change the channel. Now you had a, you know, you could only go as far as that wire, but that was cool. I, look, you sit near the TV and change the channel. Well, somebody comes along with a wireless remote. Now you can just be anywhere, you know, changing channels, you be in the next room. Hey, that's cool too. Now they got this thing, you just talk to Alexa. Alexa, turn the TV on. That kind of make the wireless look obsolete. Look, you just come in the house and start talking, and the house, you turn the lights off. You set the temperature. Wow, so there'll always be new stuff. You know, in a little while, Alexa will be outdated. They'll come along with something new. And it will, fear of the Lord will lead a person to serve him. Uh, and I, maybe I'm just riding that horse this morning. God calls us to be doers. Uh, we have to serve in, in his kingdom if you want to be accepted of him. Uh, and serving God, you know, attending worship service and Bible class is not serving. Uh, God calls us to do things beyond that. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, in this country, many people's religious experience is just that. It's church building centered. The majority of my religious experience is the things that I do or are the things that I do at the church building. I think God kind of calls us to something a little different. Uh, now, we need the things that we do here at the church building. Uh, they are encouraging. They are uplifting. Uh, but God expects us to take those things with us uh, when we go. God is not just good when we get here at the church building. He's good all the time. Yeah, that ought to just be a regular part of my conversation. Uh, we ought to be like Daniel and uh, Joseph, the son of Jacob. Just make sure that God's glory goes to God. You know, you're a good worker. Man, that's because I'm working for the Lord. Hey, might look at you like you're crazy. Man. What do you mean by that? 
Well, pull up a chair. I'm glad you asked. So, but he definitely calls us uh, uh, to serve. And when you fear the Lord, uh, and, and I believe with these, uh, the answer that we give by our living is sometimes different uh, from the answer that we'll give just in terms of answering the question right. You know, I can answer the question right. That doesn't mean my heart is in it. And it will move a person to depart from evil. Do you remember what God said about Job two times? Uh, devil shows up. Have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him? He's an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil or, or departs from evil. And God was pleased with that. And this is what God said uh, about Job in his fear of him. So we have the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is to fear the Lord. Uh, there are some common terms that we'll run into uh, in Proverbs. One of the terms is fool or foolish. Uh, one source that I checked said that you'll find the word fool in Proverbs 49 times. Uh, now, I didn't go through and read out, so I'm going to guess that that's, if not accurate, at least close. Uh, about 49 times you find the word fool in Proverbs by itself. Uh, fool as we use it in our world today is probably a little different than as it is used uh, in Proverbs. When you look at how the term fool is used in Proverbs, one of the things you learn about a fool is a fool is not a fool because he lacks intelligence. And when we hear fool, don't we kind of think, hey, I know we're in church and we don't use words like dumb or stupid. Uh, but when you hear fool, don't you, aren't those kind of words that come to mind? You know, this person lacking intelligence. Uh, that's really not the fool's problem, according to Proverbs. According to Proverbs, the fool's problem is more disposition than it is intellect. Uh, you could be, you know, as smart as Einstein and be a fool. You could be a valedictorian, a role scholar, and still be a fool. Uh, what did the psalmist tell us? Uh, Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You got a lot of folk with, with uh, graduate degrees saying that. And what does the Holy Spirit say about these people with these graduate degrees? They fools. Because well, you'd have to be foolish to say there is no God. You had to go outside and look around. Hey, wow. Yeah, the creation testifies. Uh, to the existence of the Creator. So uh, a fool, uh, again, the fool's problem is more disposi dispositional than intellectual. Uh, I know this because in Matthew 7, and I'm sure you remember uh, there, Jesus talked about a wise man and a foolish man. He says, the wise man hears these sayings of mine and does them. The foolish man hears these sayings and does them not. Well, what's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? Well, they both have the same information. So it's not that the wise man knows more than the foolish man. I don't, you can't even argue that the wise man understands it better. Because the foolish man is held accountable for not acting on it, which means he must understand the information that he has. So a fool's problem is not that he lacks information. Anybody know what a fool's problem is? I, I, I heard an old preacher say this one time. A uh, fool's problem is that he's wicked. That, that's really a fool's problem. He's wicked. To deny God is wicked. 
Now, we, we may not, you know, think some other things as wicked, but to deny God is wicked. That is, that, that's just, that's as wicked as anything, uh, you know, a person could do, to deny the very one who created us. Uh, I, I want to talk about some of the characteristics of a fool. Because you know the problem is not necessarily that he doesn't know anything. Sometimes he may know more than he can handle. Uh, when you talk about characteristics of a fool, a fool has aspirations beyond his ability. Ooh. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 17, verse 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. A wise man is able to focus and keep his goals in view. You know, if you're wise, when you go through life, you have goals. And you may not have a plan written down, but you don't just wander around day by day. Well, if you do wander around day by day, then forgive me, because Bob has commentary uh, on that individual. Uh, but a wise man, yeah, he's going to keep his, you know, he's going to keep focus. He's going to have some goals and that kind of thing. Fool just kind of go through, yeah, whatever. You know, but you can't live life like that. You know, you, you have to have some goals and some aspirations and then that kind of thing. But the fool just kind of, hey, you know, I, I, I hate to use this. Well, yeah, I, I'll use it because it was true of me. Uh, the fool's plan is, if you had stopped me when I was about, man, all of my teenage years and to my shame, even in my early 20s, Rick, what's your plan? Plan A is I'm going to play football and plan B is I'm going to run track. That's that. Well, what if those two don't work out? Now, now one of them two is going to work out. <laughs> and neither one of them did. That's how you know God takes care uh, you know, of us. Because that was my plan. If I can't play football, if I can't run track, then I won't do anything else. I don't, I don't care. Uh, it took me four years of college to figure out I didn't want to be an accountant. I was an accounting major. I well, no, I don't want to do the, spend the rest of my life doing this. Well, that's kind of a foolish approach to life, isn't it? If you can't play football or run track, you don't want to do anything else, uh, just ask yourself some hard questions. Did God give you the ability to play football or run track? I don't mean just are you good at it among the people in your school. Did he give you the kind of ability you need to do that to earn a living? Well, honestly, no, but you know, they, I've seen some other guys playing and they, you know, everybody don't have to be 250. Uh, anybody know, heard the name Reggie Wayne? Yeah, and you don't necessarily have to be a Colts fan. Reggie Wayne, one of the best wide receivers to ever play football. This was always my take on it. Reggie Wayne, in terms of height and weight, was the exact build I am. And people are looking at me, you can't play football, you're not big enough. And Reggie Wayne do it. I'm same height and weight he is. Now, he played a position I didn't want to play, but that's beside the point. A fool has aspirations beyond his ability. I'm not saying you can't do things. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to say you can do anything you set your mind to. No, if you're four feet tall, I don't care how much you set your mind to playing basketball, you're probably never going to be in the NBA. I, you know, I ain't going to try to stop you, but you just probably want to give some consideration to the fact that the other guy's going to be two to three feet taller than you on average. And 
vertical blessings kind of matter you know, when, when you're playing basketball. A fool doesn't exercise discernment and discipline. So it's not even necessarily that he can't do the things, but he's not willing to do the things you need to do to do the things. You ever meet a young person and they look at somebody older and say, man, I want to be just like that. Then the older person tells them, well, I look, I put in X amount of years in college. I worked X amount of years on the job, and God blessed me to get to this point. But I didn't start here at 20. It's kind of foolish to think at 20 I could be with somebody is at 40 or 50, and God has blessed them to put in hard work for 20 or 30 years, but I want to start out right where they are. Mm, that's kind of an aspiration beyond your ability. Now, I'm not saying you can't get to that point, but you've got to be willing to do what it takes uh, uh, to get there. Foolish person just kind of assume, I'm going to just zoom through life, and it's just going to work out because I want it to. A fool destroys himself but blames God. That sound familiar? Anybody remember Genesis chapter 3? Did you eat of the fruit? Where have I told you not to eat of? The woman you gave me. Did you eat of the fruit? The serpent tricked me. And what did Adam say? The woman you gave me. What's the implication? Oh, Eve hadn't been around. And you put her here, by the way. But that's the only reason I was over there fooling around in the first place. Well, what was Adam's reaction when, when he first saw Eve? You know, if ever there was a time you wished the Bible could be vo vocal and visual, man, Adam was turning cartwheels when he saw Eve. Whoa, man. That woman, that's where that came from. Whoa, man. <laughs> no. Don't, don't, don't go back and tell people that. That's it. <laughs> but Adam, he was overjoyed to have Eve. Now, here's somebody suitable for me. You know, the lion has the lioness, the tiger has the tigress. Now I got Eve. And then he messes up, and he knows he's wrong. And what does he do? The woman you gave me. Adam, what did I ask you? Did you eat? Uh, that's a yes or no question. Because, see, I already know how it went down. It, it's not like I need details. I know what happened. I knew what was going to happen before it happened. Did you eat of the tree? Woman, you gave me. What did Aaron say when Moses came back down from the mountain? About that golden calf. You know these people. They bent on mischief. You notice that this same one's been giving you static since you started leading them out of Egypt. It's not my fault. I just put the gold in the fire and it jumped out. <laughs> don't we do that in life sometimes? And if we don't blame God, we, won't, we aren't willing to take responsibility. You hear so much about accountability in our world today that most people don't want to take accountability. You know, I haven't had my medicine. You know, I was raised such and such. I, and, and I get all of that. You may have been raised a certain way. I still get to make choices. I don't have to continue down a wrong path. Uh, but a fool destroys himself but blames God, uh, defers to take responsibility for their own actions. Uh, another characteristic of a fool, 
A fool makes a game of wrongdoing and thinks sin is fun. Proverbs 10.23 says it is a sport to a fool to do mischief. Fool thinks it's funny and thinks it's fun. Don't miss what I'm saying. I didn't say it wasn't pleasurable. There's a difference between something being pleasurable and something being fun. The Bible says about Moses, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, that he chose uh, not to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yeah, that's our big problem. Most sins are pleasurable. But you better know the difference between something that's fun and something that's pleasurable. And if that's giving you thought process problems, uh, be careful what you choose. Pleasurable means it appeals to the flesh and blood. But there are things that just appeal to the flesh and blood. They just do. Fun is state of mind. Sin is not fun. Sin is dangerous. Uh, yes, yeah, saw a hand in the back. Uh, can you read it? So a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be honest. If sin wasn't pleasurable, we'd probably quit. Yeah, if sin hurt, which it does, just not most times immediately, usually after the fact, but if sin felt like breaking your arm, how many people would gossip if it felt like a broken arm? Anybody have a broken bone? I, that's the most pain I've ever been in in my life. Yeah, at nine years old, I broke my arm in two places. Did you cry? I cried then, and I would cry now if I was in that kind of pain. <laughs> if sin felt like that, we'd probably quit. Yeah, it, it, it does bring you some pleasure. But you have to be like Moses, but you have to have the presence of mind to know better. Yeah, didn't think it would be pleasurable for him to sit up in the palace eating grapes, letting them take care of him? Sure it would have been. I've been better out there trying to make bricks with the slaves. Yes, yeah, so you have to know better. Uh, a fool refuses to learn from the past. Uh, 2611 escapes me to the moment. Uh, Proverbs 2611, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Now at least I say on the dog's behalf, at least he is a dog. Yeah, you know, uh, I believe people have higher IQs than dogs do. So, yeah, you, well, the dog, he is a dog. Fool refuses to learn from his past. In other words, a fool will do something, suffer from it, and then turn around and do the same thing, thinking that this time it's going to be different. Anybody here been foolish in your youth? You ever been in love with somebody and some older folk counsel you? Not a good idea. It's going to be different this time. Now, you got people for years been going down that path, but for me, I don't care how many folk you can line up that will tell me to the contrary. For me, it's going to be different. And what happens? You go down that road and you see the same things they saw. And you know what a foolish man will do? he turn around and go down the road again. Yeah, that's foolish. Yeah. Now, you got information to work with. You got people counseling you. That's a bad choice. A foolish person won't listen. 
y'all don't know what y'all talking about. You just don't want to see me happy. Mm-hmm. And you'd be the same one taking up all Brother Harvey, Brother Wilkins, Brother Pratt, Brother Thornton's time. Can I talk to you after worship service? She wasn't like this when we was dating. Yes, she was. That's why we was telling you this was a bad choice. Yeah. My preacher used to say, what do you say? Love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. They ain't changed. Just you stop, you, you know, you decided to see what was really there. I'm not mad at anybody. <laughs> a fool does not think his ideas through, but still desires to be heard. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 23. A prudent man concealeth knowledge. You know, a wise man doesn't tell everything he knows. You know one of the most foolish statements we can say about telling everything? It's true. Is that a good standard to tell just because it's true? No, I remember Jesus saying to the apostles, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to handle them right now. Were they true things he had to say to them? Yeah. But right now, you can't handle it. Yeah, so just because it's true don't mean I should say it. Uh, 12.20, a prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. Yeah. They lack, uh, a fool lacks discretion of the tongue. But a wise man considers both content of what he's about to say and the impact it'll have on others. Fool just put it out there. And sometimes you can tell when a foolish person get ready to start talking. I don't mean no harm. You didn't hear this from me. That's foolish statements. Because if I can't be quoted, then I don't need to say it. And I tell you now, if you come to me and say you didn't hear this from me, yes, I did too. And when I go back and tell it, that's what he said. <laughs> so if you want something, I don't keep nothing. Unless it's in the uh, minister confidentiality thing. But if you come to me with some gossip, and number one, I'm going to rebuke you for coming to me with gossip. But yeah, I'm going to tell it. And I'm probably going to tell it to whoever you was talking about. No, I wouldn't do that. I, <laughs> I might, but I probably wouldn't. <laughs> a fool retaliates immediately upon injury. Proverbs 12, 16, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Fool's wrath is presently known. When you make a foolish person angry, uh, they're going to respond right when you do it. Say the wrong thing to them. And we could be in the middle of worship service. Uh, you know, I had that happen to me one time. Man, I stand up preaching away. Not here. I stand up preaching, and these two sisters was going at it. You know, and initially, you think, you think they're saying amen or something. But then they got loud. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, brothers, where y'all at? Get somebody get them two sisters before they get up and start swinging at each other. Yeah, a fool retaliates immediately uh, upon injury. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
Sister Sherry said, it makes her think of road rage. And we can all identify with that. Man, uh, that's a good idea to pray before you get in your car. Lord, help me not to respond to all the people that driving in the lane that's going to shut down and then want to jump over. And the folk that cut me off and the folk that run the red light. And sometimes they're doing stuff and you couldn't figure it out if you tried. Yeah, the foolish exercise, no self-control. One of the things you want to guard as a child of God, you want to guard your witness and your influence. Because once you lose those, it is the devil to get them back if you can. You want to guard your influence and your witness. Uh, you absolutely want to do that. Uh, let me hustle. I got one more thing we want to cover here, and I got about a minute to do it. Uh, the other common term is wise or wisdom uh, that you'll hear. If you look that up in the dictionary, it says the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, uh, the quality of being wise. Uh, the other good definition was the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowing, hmm, knowledge, and good judgment. Uh, I think this is seen in Proverbs 27, verse 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil. And there's a difference between see and foresee. See means it has to be in front of me, and I see it. But foresee means I can anticipate it, even though it's not even right in front of me. The wise man can anticipate things. You know, sometimes they're just signs. I probably don't want to go over there. Uh, if you pull up to the drive-through, uh, and there's a car in front of you, and the person's shouting, uh, at the box and you can hear shouting coming back from the box, uh, you probably won't pull up to the box next and give the person static. The person in front of them already set them off. Yeah, so a wise man, he can anticipate, he can, he can read the signs, he can just kind of see things. You know, sometimes people come in and their body language just says, well, I'm not in the mood for joking around today. Guess what a wise man does? He won't joke with them. Yeah, now the foolish person go ahead. Hey, all right, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, but uh, wisdom, I guess, again, if we just, uh, layman's terms, is, is the fear of the Lord, absolutely, Job uh, 28, 28, Proverbs 1, 7. Uh, but appreciate one of the, the defining things about wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge accompanied by doing. You got to have both of those elements there for it to be wisdom. Uh, that's my time. If you have any questions, I'll be glad to take them. Uh, just not right now, because I'm already a minute or two over. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then it'll be time to prepare for the second service. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you again for this time uh, to sit, uh, to study together from your word. We ask, O oh God, that our hearts would ever be open to the things that you speak to us through your word. Father, we pray that you would bless us to be wise in the things that we say, the things that we do. And grandfather, always, that our lives would bring glory and honor to you. And Father, again, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen.